The opinions expressed on That's a Foul do not reflect the view of any organization to which the host or guest are affiliated or employed. Referee, coach, player, leader. Amber Jury, dropping knowledge today. Let's do it. Sports are an integral part of my life, specifically officiating. I've met a lot of interesting people on deck and on the sidelines. From referees to evaluators, coaches to administrators, and players to fans, each one has a story to tell, and that's a foul is the place to tell them. Each episode, we'll dive into personal and professional lives to see how we can all be a little better tomorrow. I'm Chad Packer, and this is That's a Foul. so grateful to have the opportunity to talk with my friend Amber Drury in this episode. It never fails that guests don't believe their stories to be any more interesting than anyone else's, and Amber is no exception to that. But I can tell you this, as I've had the privilege to get to know her more closely over the last year, I can assure you, while she's not an exception to that rule, she is exceptional. She's a trailblazer in so many ways and a dedicated advocate for referees. And we've both had dogs named Tootsie, so we have the secret handshake thing now. Let's get to know Amber a little more in quarter one. How how are your dogs doing? Uh, They're good. They actually, they've come in and they're sleeping again. So I've got a, (laughs) you know, a respite, a break for a little while until they... They usually want breakfast around, you know, seven fifteen or so, so they'll get a little anxious. But sure, good. But they're good. pretty good. They let's see. I don't know if I can. No, it doesn't let me flip this. Uh, well, maybe let's see. There's oh, one of them. Oh come on. That's Tootsie. And then Tootsie. Um, my first dog was named Tootsie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little toy collie. She was so cute. Tootsie. Yeah. That's Tootsie. Yeah, it was really so. I I dropped off Molly. Uh, I dropped her off at the vet this morning, and you know I came home real quick to grab something before I went to my meeting. And like I was sitting in the garage answering a answering a text, and I thought, oh, she's gonna be downstairs. And then I came in, she wasn't there. Okay. And then I went to grab something out of the basement here, and I thought, what? Where is she? You know, it was, yeah. it felt really foreign for her to not <laughs> to not have her there. Yeah. You know, it's just bizarre. Yeah. So we'll. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Oh boy. Oh, feels better. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you had those guys? I saw you had a gotcha. Yeah. The other was, day. Um, so it's, gosh, we got them last Thanksgiving weekend. So it's been like a year and a few months um, yeah. before this all, you know, before the whole pandemic happened and everything. And it was one of those things where my sister had been pushing me. So we moved into a house with this huge backyard, it's unfinished, it's all dirt and everything, but you know, ideal for pets or dogs or whatever. It's actually zoned for livestock. So we could wow. have horses or, you know, whatever. Um, and so she had been sending me these links, you know, to dog rescues and, <laughs> and I've always been pretty adamant that I, I, I want dogs from puppies so I can train them, you know, sure. because I had a pug for years and I take him with me everywhere and he's super good, you know, he could sit in the car quietly if I needed him to. He could come into a pool deck, you know, he could, because he was good and he had manners and everything. These two, oh my gosh, 
you know, I love them to death, you know, and I'm so glad we have them, but you know, they're nose dogs and the scent will take them anywhere in a second, you know? So I have like next to zero control over them on a leash, you know, cause they smell something and they're gone. And wow. plus they're 85 pounds each. So I can't, you know, I have a hard time controlling them anyway. Um, but like I said, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love them to death. Um, and the, they, with a foster parent for a while because they were a pair and a lot of people don't want two sure. big dogs so sure. it actually it worked out really well right have you always had dogs um we did uh growing up um there's pictures of me with a litter of puppies when my parents when we were in arkansas for a while um you know i don't remember them and then uh there's a time when we didn't and then we had a dog that was completely totally outdoor dog and then my mom finally switched the, the narrative and went to an indoor, a little um, uh, Chihuahua Terrier cross dog. Oh of course, God. we named it Polo, you know, um, yeah. that we had for years. And then, like I said, when I had a, a dog, a pug as an adult, um, that was my first pet. Um, and then now these two. So and my mom has a little, another little Terrier Chihuahua cross thing, pain in the ass, but yeah oh, ankle biter things <laughs> but yeah it's fun we're definitely you know dog people so it works out good deal yeah i had a molly's a good size she's like 50 pounds 45 50 pounds i had a shepherd that was 110 and he was Ooh. 10 pounds of just fury that's a big girl yeah big dog though <laughs> so you met you mentioned you were you were in when you were in Arkansas. I, I was listening to your Hall of Fame speech or whatever, yeah. just because I think those are fun. I listened to Natalie. She's a trip. I, I met yeah. her last year for the first time when she was at Fresno State and I was out there. Yeah. And um I just I just knew that she was, you know, an an, an amazing, you know, world level uh athlete. But I didn't know she was so sarcastic, which explains this really oh, funny yes. this really funny thing. I gotta I gotta share this story with you. This is this is the best. So uh there was a sprint and um her player lost the sprint. Mm. She probably put the ball under on the other player, you know, uh -huh. but in that moment, I was just, I just whistled an ordinary and gave the ball to who won the sprint. She goes, there's ball under that's the easiest call. You'll miss all game. And I just thought, <laughs> I, I, I just put it in my brain. I'm like, that is one of the best. And it, it was, it was, it was so good. I mean, like, how, how do you say that other than, right. Wow. that's a great story thank you for that but had, I, had i watched her speech or whatever I'd be like yeah absolutely but um, yeah so yeah you you mentioned that you've been uh you've been around the country and I, I yeah mean, and yeah, yeah. In... my sister and i we we grew up around my dad's education so okay uh, we were both born up in northern california at humboldt state for his undergrad then we moved to arkansas for his master's and then utah for his phd Wow. Um, so in addition, we also lived in Idaho for a while, um, and then landed back in Southern California, eventually Pasadena and then Indio where I went to high school. My sister and I went to high school. Um, and yeah, mostly, mostly SoCal, but you know, is what it is. We moved a lot, a lot. What do you think that, what do you think that, that taught you about, human interaction or making friends or how you have to, I bet your, your ability to read people is a little bit different than someone like me who's lived in the same area. I don't know. I just, what do you, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I've wondered that sometimes, you know, where, what, you know, has, cause I don't have a whole lot of really close friends 
I think because of moving around and having to say goodbye, you know, and so it made me a little wary of, of letting too many people in super close to me. So don't get me wrong. The friends that I have, you know, I could call them, even if I don't talk to them in whatever a year, you know, I could call them and they would talk to me or help me out or whatever was needed. But, um, you know, I, I don't, but I don't know. I, I don't know if that was just me and my, you know, personality. Was it because we moved so much? Who knows? Um, I think that I can, you know, pick up or uh, read into some people. Yes. Yes. I, I, I do think that. And I think that's helped me as a, as a referee a lot, but is it because of moving? I don't, you know, who knows? I don't, I don't know. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that, um, you know, you, there was a there was a point in the in, in the speech where you mentioned you had a chance to go to Indio or you had a chance to go to Louisiana and how different yeah. life would have been. You know, yeah. and I, I, I think about that a lot myself. Like, gosh, if I hadn't found water polo, I can tell you three of the four people in my wedding party probably wouldn't have been in my wedding party. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be wearing this USA water polo lanyard that I have my. <laughs> you know. I mean, it's just it's like what what if? Oh yeah, no huge huge what ifs, you know, and that's uh, part of my things, you know, with referees and what we do, we make choices all the time and we make choices all the time in life. You know, it's like, you guys just educate yourself to make good choices and then, you know, stand up for them. And when you make a bad choice, okay, fix it. You know, and that's for me, I, you know, very thankful my parents raised us that way. You know, it started when we were little, okay, you get to choose dessert tonight or you get to choose what we do today, you know, and these are your options you choose, you know, and then you learn, okay, this stuff I like, this stuff I didn't, I'd do this again, or I wouldn't do that again. You know, just, it's, that's, that's life. Just choose wisely. Sure. How did it become water polo over the drill team? (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, my mom. Or did water polo change you? Mom wanted us to be, you know, the dancers and the drill team and man, she'd pull our hair up into those nice tight buns, you know, and I just, I I just don't think I was ever quite that coordinated on land. I didn't look like it. Now, basketball, I could play basketball and loved it, you know, played at high school, junior college, you know, had, had a blast with it. But, you know, I was the gangly long arm, you know, white girl that just couldn't really jump that ran awkwardly, you know? And so when I got in water polo and half my body was hidden, I think that, uh, that worked for me. And don't get me wrong. I still was not very fast. I was sure. not, you know, the most coordinated person out there, but yeah, it was just, uh, dad's influence. You know, he had swam in high school. So, you know, started me swimming and obviously I could throw a ball, you know, from all our years of soccer and basketball and softball and all that stuff. So, I, you know, why waterfall? I, I couldn't tell you other than it was a break from swimming. Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. So you mentioned, um, you, you played in, you played in college on an, on for Pomona. Is that correct? Correct. Pomona Pitzer. Okay. And then, uh, and then you, you get into some international experience. What, what is, what is that like? Um, well, so yeah, you have to backtrack for me. So I started, um, tried out for the junior national team. That was one of the first things I, I, I did. Okay. I had the Indio connection in water polo is a unique one where, you know, you've got people from there, Cal Lowell, who is an unknown kind of, uh, 
men's player from a while ago, um, Guy Baker, you know, Laura Laughlin Baker. I'm sorry, I don't know her married name now. Um, you know, both very prominent uh, national team figures, all coming from India. So had a connection. Um, Laura supported me and, and, you know, was able to go this tryout. This is back when, you know, there weren't very many women's teams did that at that time I was 13 when I tried out um, didn't make it was an alternate yada yada um, but got on the radar again because uh, mostly because I could throw the ball you know I could throw it sure. hard and throw it long you know throw it far so um, got on the radar went through you know um, Sandy had selected me to the, the national team yeah, I went to my first tournament. I think I was 14 when I went to Canada with uh, with the team up there. And then from there, just kind of rolled on. So that started really, really young for me, which was, uh, you know, an awesome uh, experience. You know, friends I still have today, uh, just incredible. Wow. I So... When you're on the national team, what, what, where does there the junior national team? Does that naturally filter up? Is it like I wouldn't call it a pipeline, but is it how do you how does how how does one go from there to like the the, the senior women's team we would call it now? How does that? Well, it's I I couldn't tell you today. It seems like a lot of our players do make that transition today, just because okay. I I see their names or I was on trips with them as an official, you know, and oh, saw sure. them with the junior team and then saw them move on to the senior team. So today, I think it is much more of a of a pipeline perhaps than it was previously, um, because when I was coming through, women were coming into the sport very late, so a lot of them oh, sure. didn't participate at a junior level. They came into it when they went to college or they came into it just much later after having swam, you know, or whatever it was. So it was, uh, yeah, just, just wasn't of the correct aging to, uh, sure. to play at the junior level. Huh. That's neat. What, what would you say is the, like, just the, I would say the biggest memory or just a couple of adjectives that describe, I mean, playing for your country, it's, it becomes, I had, I had this watershed, no, I call it a watershed moment, but, uh, Scott came in to do a clinic for uh, our Zoom, right? And he came in on Friday and, you know, Scott and I kind of kind of knew each other. So we went to Top Golf, you know, we're, we're yeah. you know, we're drinking a few beers. Then we went out for wings or whatever. And I just kind of wanted to tell the people in the bar, do you know where this guy's been and where he's going? And it, it's just Scott, you know? So yeah. sometimes I, you know, I, I hear folks that say, I don't really know that my story is all that all that interesting or whatever. And it's like, do you do you know where you've where, where you've been? I'm not trying to blow smoke, but it's just it's like, what 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 are some adjectives to playing on the national team? I mean, the the national team, like experiences yeah. or something that pops in your head as I was describing that. Um, you know, it's just proud to be with that group of women. Um, the yeah, it just that's that's the one thing that just sticks out. It's just proud, you know. Um, especially, uh, especially at a time when it wasn't real well funded, um, okay. it wasn't real well respected. Um, so to, to have those women and to, um, still do what we love to do mm -hmm. at a high level 
I was very proud. Ah, yeah, it's powerful. Quarter two finds Amber talking more about her background in water polo and the challenges referees face. I think it's, you know, you, you, you see how well our women's national team is doing now. And you just, I mean, it's, and to think about, cause it's, I remember playing in high school. There was, there wasn't a girls team when I was in yeah. high school. Of this, I mean, we're, we're talking 1989 here, but, and even by the time I was a senior, I think there were only just, a, there aren't a ton of teams in Ohio anyways, but there weren't that many. And now you look at these girls that are playing on, you know, we've got a team here in Cincinnati, Moose Water Polo, that's going out yeah. to JOs and playing Premier and, you know, finishing in the top 20 in the country and going off to IU and going all these places <laughs> to play. You just think, God, that happened. The acceleration factor of that yeah. was just, I mean, amazing. And the, the volume of it now. Oh, it's yeah, for really, sure. Really cool. It's been really fun to see. You know, the, it's opened up to so many more people. Um, and our sport is just it, – it's like that because of the different levels we have from D3 all the way up to D1, um, sure. at least in college. And then, you know, just all – so many high schools playing it, plus our sport just being so welcoming, um, you know, where you don't have to be – all of us don't have to be 6'3 and, you know right. – 180 and you know sub 50 on the 100 free you know you can it takes all kinds you know and you can see yeah. that in our national team players you know brenda via my goodness you know she's what five five you know uh, yeah. all the way through to you know players like uh like the sisters the fisher sisters that are that are six three each but yeah. it takes all kinds and i think that's one of the the very very best things about our sport is that so many people can play it doesn't matter size or speed. Yeah, I agree. I I the the, the word community comes to mind yeah. when it's when, when it is water polo. I mean, you know, you don't I don't know, it just seems like even though it's it's you know expanding outward, there's still this connection of oh yeah, I reffed there and I knew her and yeah. she knows him and they played in college together and all of a sudden you just got this really weird connection that I just don't know. I'm I'm glad that it is a it's still a tight knit community and everybody looks out for each other and the response. And um, I think that says a lot about the people in the sport for sure. Definitely. And there is this sense of giving back, I think more, more than anything, you know, and it's, it's usually giving back in time, which is as right. we, as we get older, <laughs> we realize time is the, is, is the most valuable commodity there is. I mean, financial, of course, but yeah, boy, the time that folks put in to no definitely it. it's the community makes it worth it to give that time for sure yeah. yeah so when you get done playing internationally you 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 coached a little bit what what's just walk me through the the playing <laughs> coaching referee thing okay so first i have to just disclaimer I, I have an awful memory okay i really like people ask me somebody asked me the other day when i moved to vegas i couldn't even tell them when it was it was a while ago you know i'm like i <laughs> Uh, eight years you know I, I i just okay so disclaimer is there um yes so uh played um played until i know that the rome world championships that was my last international tournament uh, playing so that was 94 um uh had dabbled in um 
in some coaching, um, you know, trying to figure out, you know, where you fit after you, after you're done playing, right. Coaching, it was fun. I loved it, learned a ton, but just, I was not good enough. I, you know, I was not, and I, and you know, it was clear. So found the next path, which was refing. And I had done that um, early on when I was still playing. Um, my dad had officiated when I was in high school down in Indio because we were just in such desperate need of officials. Um, so was living in the um, Rancho Cucamonga area, started whistling there, um, you know, and had some success with it, you know, came to it fairly naturally. Then, you know, went back, not went back to, but went to the coaching scene for a while. And then after coaching, went back to to whistling for a while, and that one is that one has been the one that has stuck. Yeah, I, it's it's funny. I mean, on a on a on a smaller scale, but I I kind of you know I played a little bit, dabbled a little bit in college, coached for quite a while, but just like you said, I, at some point I came to the realization that I mean I'm a I'm good at relationships, but the X's and O's are okay, but I just lost kind of the the, the passion. And when I started refereeing, I thought, ah, okay, yeah. this is it. This is it. You know, people say, do you still play? I go, do you know how much it hurts to play water polo? Oh. I mean, it just, it hurts. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I've tried a couple times and I'm like, yeah, no, thanks. I've hung up my suits. Just not going to do it. Sore, sore. You're exhausted for a week. You forget. I mean, you you do forget. But yeah, I I, I really enjoy refereeing a lot. Um, you just used that the phrase "water polo" came to me naturally. What 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 is it about refereeing that comes naturally? Would you say? I mean, there there are all kinds of facets of refereeing. I'd like to just get into your philosophy of that. I think that's kind of a interesting uh, to talk. I don't. Know, I I think that for me, the priority always is. Um, the athletes in the game, you know, yes, the coaches are a part. Yes, I'm a part and the fans and everything, but I, I try to hold on to and try to remember as best I can what it's like to be in the water and what it's like to, you know, in those situations, get the foul, not get the foul, you know, whatever it might be, score the goal, not score the goal, um, you know, have those things work out so that I can, more accurately or hopefully more correctly, you know, remember those emotions and those feelings and, you know, how players could potentially respond to them. Mm -hmm. You know, again, it's, it's, it's about those players in the water and, you know, letting them be the very best athletes they can be um, wow. within the rules that we have. Sure. So, you know, keeping all that in mind, I think that that allows me to, um, let them push the limits as far as, as they can, you know, within the rules and yet still be the fantastic athletes they are. It's hmm. interesting. What do you, I, I was thinking about this. Um, so my, my, my first JOs was 2015 and, uh, you were a head ref for, I think the 14s, I think, or the, yeah, the, the head ref. And um, there was a gold medal thing going on at um, Woolet, and there was a younger official refereeing the game. Like, you could tell that she would, you could tell she was anxious, right? Yeah. Um, the same kind of anxious she could probably see in me when I'm refereeing sometimes. <laughs> you know? I'm, not, I'm not, not suggesting that. But 
you're on the side and I remember watching you because I like to watch people. I, I like to, I just like to watch it. And I, I could sense this feeling that you were really rooting for her yeah. to have a good game. And there was kind of a thing that happened. I don't remember what it was. It's, it doesn't really matter. But I remember seeing you kind of do this almost like step forward and step back. Like you were in this, how do I help but not help? How do I go back to the word choices, right? That you were saying yeah. earlier. How, how do you continue? Yeah, I, I can tell, Amber, speaking for you, if that's okay. Your passion is supporting referees. I mean, that that is your thing. I've got another story about that. So how do you, how do you, how do you do that? best it's it's a super complex question but. that is and, it, and it's such a moving target because Ooh. people are so different you know okay. what is support to you may not be support to you know referee mm -hmm. ABC and it's it's so different you know some people need a ton of support some people don't need much at all it's just it, it's the way I think it's, it's the way we've we learn best you know and you've just got to supply them the options to hopefully meet that need. So if they're a visual learner, give it to them visually. If they're you know, auditory, they just need to hear it, okay, know that and then know that about the person. And, and like you said, it, it's remembering those things about people, you know, just that hopefully helps you help them be better. Um, you know, again, if somebody needs to see it on film, you know, I can't just talk them through it. I gotta show them film because they gotta see it right. to, to be able to do it. Um, and just give them the tools and then what they do with those tools is up to them you know but if I can give them those tools hopefully it will click somewhere along the way um, but again you know just like just like any relationship it's always a moving target right good sure. day bad day it's yeah. raining it's sunshine you know there's sure. a pandemic there's not uh, you know it's it's all those things taken in and just you know accepting that people are people and just again, you know, help them make the best choices possible by giving them the information in a way that they can absorb. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day on the on the podcast, and he was talking about how his daughter had a golf lesson with a golf pro, and he said, "I've seen her swing the club a thousand times, and within five minutes, this golf pro saw one little movement, did this, and all of a sudden." everything just clicked you know what I mean yeah. when you are watching referees newer referees experienced referees folks that you're that you have the opportunity to coach maybe not evaluate but coach you know through it's those two are almost inextricably linked but what are some things that you just look for like say I'm a new referee or a experienced referee and I'm listening to this podcast and I say oh okay that's that's something that Amber would look for, and we all know evaluators and coaches always look for different things, but what are just a couple of key things that, you know, Chad, if you could focus on that, that's something that I think is indicative of a high quality referee. Um, there, there's a ton of things, you know, but I would say for the most part, it's being in a physical position to see the pool, you know, mm -hmm. in the best way possible, depending on what phase of the game you're in from transition you know to a front court offense or six on five or five on six you know just being in the correct position on the deck to see as much as you can 
Sure. And then, of course, always it's it's focusing on your area and not getting teased by watching the ball out of your area. That pulls uh-huh. your attention away from where you really need to be looking. Because we all know, you know, sure. so much in our sport happens away from the ball. And the players know that, too. And the coaches know that, you know. So, you know, there are some that are really good and take advantage of those. And if we get yeah. caught, you know, looking out of our area, we can miss something that, you know, leads to a goal or leads to something bad, you know, that, that when you look back at it could have been prevented. You know, that's, I I think the biggest thing is just, you know, stay in a good position on deck where you can see and then keep your eyes where you need to in your area, you know, and if your partner's missing something, then, you know, we have these great headsets. Now we can talk to them and say, you know, look, look here for me, please. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and then uh, the other thing is, is always remembering how it felt when you got scored on, remember how it felt when you did score, you know, and then managing those relationships within the game. So, you know, players get frustrated. They absolutely do. You know, and when you got frustrated, what did you do? Sometimes you took it out on your opponent. Sometimes, you know, it's just, introspective and you thought okay i need to do this instead to fix it you know but knowing the type of players you have in the water and then doing what you need to to manage them you know some players need a break every once in a while (laughs) and you know you can keep them in the game longer by giving them a break sometimes you know instead of overlooking things which sometimes referees do you know oh it's just frustration he didn't mean to you know sometimes yes sometimes no you know you just have to know and you have to watch entire plays start to finish and then even afterwards so you know what's going on and keep the game again a place where athletes can be the star athletes they are those great athletes and keep it safe for them yeah that that is i'm I'm a i'm a thinker i'm gonna have to think a lot about (laughs) how, how can i adapt my game to that to that concept of almost refereeing the game from the player's perspective and their reactions to it and seeing the whole the whole picture right um, yeah because it is part of it you know it, yes we're about rules absolutely but you sure. know again that human factor you, you know you have to you have to understand that and and see it sometimes even when you don't want to see it sure yeah I had somebody tell me one time that um, refereeing 16s was was a really big challenge because they know what to do but physically they can't but they're coming into the game where it does start to become a little more physical not violent just a little more physical like i said but they just they can't they can't get the ball there and they miss a shot and then they they're still they're still reacting a little bit instead of recognizing that they're a lot of shots in the game and that's that's okay you know what i mean yeah. see i would have said that i would have moved it down in age group i would have said that's 14s but okay. i don't referee age group as much as as the rest of you all do uh, you know on sure. a frequent basis so you know for me i saw that in the 14s and, and to me it's continuing to can get younger especially as the kids play more water polo sure. you know and the, we get more coaches out there and they have more experience like we're going to continue to see it slip but you're right that physical change especially yeah. in the boys you know that 16 18 yeah they, they are physically changing so much you know and just that emotional control as well right i sure. mean 
who knows, the girlfriend broke up with them, you know, whatever it is, you know, got the car taken away. You know, I don't know. I, you know, thankfully I don't have any teenage kids, you know, but I know a lot is just going on in their life, you know, so who knows? (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. I think, uh, what I remember from 14s was not unlike, uh, you know, watching the Little League World Series, right? You, you got this kid that's 12 and he's 6'2", oh, yes. and then you got this kid that's 12 and he's 5'2", and, you know, you got to figure out how they match up there sometimes. Yeah. It's, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Definitely. Those, mad, those lineups are just they're a comedy you know it's just such a telling story of our sport when they're doing the lineups you know before a game and you see that it's great you know and it, the like you said that six foot two goalkeeper and then the yeah. five foot nothing defender you know it's pretty yeah. funny yeah who again to your point about watching like that that kid is often the the, the younger athlete he sometimes has to be more physical he feels like he has to be more physical, right. so he climbs around the neck a little more, and you're like, yeah. ah, I know what you're doing, but you're going <laughs> to We wrap our conversation up with some thoughts on how to approach the game as a referee, tips for getting into your zone, and Amber's leadership philosophy. So when we think about refereeing, um, like... How how do you how do you keep from getting in your own head before a game? Maybe what are, what are some things that you that you do to get ready for that? And the the reason why I think that's important is because you know it, all of us experience all of the emotions. The difference between good to great is how in in any job, how does that person manage those those emotions? Right? Because I can imagine refereeing a world. Uh, you know, like a world games or, you know, the Pan Am games or uh, the Olympics or whatever. It's, it's just as nerve wracking for referees as it is for me to do a, you know, a, a medal game or a, or a JO's final or a state championship or whatever. Just how do you just talk us through that? Cause I think that's, that's a cool lesson to learn. Uh, you know, again, it's one of those things that's going to be different for everyone. Um, for me, I always enjoy watching the players warm okay. up, uh, you know, just seeing their skills, you know, them fine tuning themselves, getting prepared for the game, you know, that helps me in my own head, you know, get into that game mode. Okay. Um, you know, I almost all games and I, you know, you don't can't always do it on a daily basis with, you know, a tournament that you're at on a weekend or, you know, but the big games, you know, I always walk the course completely around it, you know, make sure that all my markers are in place. The benches are where I want them, you know, and then also because it just gives me a feel again for the course of the game. It gives coaches time to, you know, reach out to you if they need to, because you're walking around the facility, you know, uh, it just, it gives you a good feel and then it makes it just like any other pool, regardless of if there's, you know, 10,000 people in the stands or 10 people in the stands, you know, it just gives you that feel of the pool and the game just being a game. It's, it's just another pool. It's just another game, you know, even though it may be on a grand stage, even though it may be, you know, uh, for a medal for, you know, whatever title it may be, you know, it, it's, it's just as important as the game before that, you know, or the game after it, regardless uh, in the water, 
it all means the same. It's it maybe their last game. It might be the last game ever. Sure. It might be just the last game of the tournament. Sure. You know, that's that's why I try to, you know, in my time with uh, Junior Olympics, you know, I tried to make sure and go back to that youngest age group, those 10s and 12s, you know, because for them, it, you know, that is make or break for a lot of them. Sometimes it's their very first game you're whistling. Yeah, it's, so, you know, that to me, uh, the 10s and 12s is much more rewarding than anything I've ever done. Because again, could be the first game, but also could be their last, mm. right? Something happens in that game that the parents don't agree with, or, you know, they just figure out, maybe their kid just figures out, oh, it's not for them, you know? And that's where I wish that more people could see we need to put more emphasis as referees, as coaches, as fans, as as the sport. It's just these kids, my gosh, you know, those are the ones we need. We hook them sure. then. We hook their parents, you know, we've got them for a lifetime in this sport. You know, we've got fans, we've got administrators, we've got potential coaches, future players, yeah. you know, and just, and especially with our role, you know, it, it can, it really can make or break. Their kids feel, you know, if the kids have a safe place to play and the referee controls the game and it's, it is a game, it's not just, you know, a haphazard, you know, right. event then uh you know it's it's something that we can we can do and we can do better you know so sorry but going back to the big you know the big games that i've that i've gotten to whistle you know it is it's about staying in the moment of it just being you know that game that day you know regardless of title regardless of outcome you know it's you know win or go home whatever it is you just you stay in that moment you know, those players are right there and they're winning or trying to win that game. Um, so, you know, again, the, seeing them warm up, walking that pool, um, it, being comfortable, you know, and just it really be just being comfortable in your own skin as a referee, you know, that's, that will lead you, I think, to, to a real uh, good game. I, uh, I take a lot of notes when I go to these training events like an ODP or actually really any event. JO's like when I get a chance to, to work with or talk with a more experienced referee and what I can grab. And I was I was looking at a note that I that I took that you had mentioned about um, when the game starts to feel a little bit out of out of joint. You said just pull the ball out and turn and talk to the table. And just say, hey, I don't really have anything to say. I'm just going to let the game calm down here and turn around. And then you said you might even point at the book or something like that. And I have used that yeah. at least a dozen times since then. I just remember, like, th those little nuggets of gold can just change yeah. the experience. Yeah, sometimes we all just need a breath, you know. The players, and it, maybe it's me, maybe yeah. it's them, you know. But if, if I'm feeling it... You know, at an appropriate time, like after a goal, no, give me the ball. Let's let's take an extra little breath here. You know, maybe I'm feeling my partner. You know, maybe I'm feeling like my partner is not quite on the same page as me. Just just take a second. You know, take that breath and go back yeah. to work. Yeah, it's a goal. So thank you for that because I use it and I pass yeah. it. You know, every time I'll my pay pleasure. it forward. I pay that forward all the time. Like just just pull the ball out. Just pull the ball out. Turn and yeah. turn and look, or you know, check the clock or something, and. You know, just kind of get get back into your get back into your zone. You know, uh, I think there there was yeah. another one that you had mentioned about kind of having a reset button 
I remember, and like every time a goal is scored that I'm not going to whistle the restart whistle, I always pop my whistle out of my mouth. It's just, it's a, it's a natural reset. Do you have any of those? Like any like words or like, you know, calm, focused in the moment, that kind of thing? I mean, do you practice stuff like that or do you know anybody that does? You know, I'm, I'm trying to think and I, nothing comes to mind that, that I necessarily use. There may be some unconscious things that I, that I'm not aware of. And, you know, maybe people that have watched me could, could tell me, you know, I don't, I don't know nothing that I necessarily consciously do. Um, the only thing that, that I can think of is just that, um, I try, if I catch myself replaying something, you know, I called an exclusion or maybe didn't call an exclusion. And if I catch myself replaying it while the game is still Mm. going on, you know, those are the things I go, okay, Mm. gotta let it go. I can't do, I can't do anything about it now, you know, but then hopefully at the next stoppage I can, you know, replay it at that point, you know, when there's a clear stoppage, like after a goal or at a quarter, think about it then. But I think, that that's can be where referees can lose the game is that they rethink plays oh. while play is continuing sure. on. And so then we lose focus and we, we can lose our grip on the game a little bit if we aren't able to let things go and go back to them at an appropriate sure. time. Yeah. Uh, Jack Horton, he, he used a phrase, mm-hmm. uh, put it in a box and put it on the shelf. That's what the, the phrase that he yeah. used that I, I, again, I kind of pay that one for. Like, you can go get it, just put it in a box, right? Put it on the shelf. Let's go. Not burn it or anything like that. So that's kind of that same same right. concept. Because you're right, the game moves so darn quickly. You know, if you're thinking about yeah. that thing over there, now you're missing this, and now it's just, it, it expands <laughs> exponentially, right? Yes, definitely. So you've had some some leadership um experience now right you've done some uh some usa water polo and now you're the you're the uh are you the were you the water po- what are you the nca coordinator of officials what's your <laughs> what's your official title national coordinator of water polo yes, officials. National co- that's a heck of an embroidery there but yeah <laughs> um, what are you what, what are you learning about leadership or what's something that maybe you would tell yourself a year in that okay, don't forget about this or, you know, just anybody in, in, in leadership. Cause I, I love to talk leadership. It's kind of my jam. So like what's your philosophy? Um, I, in this, there's so many things. Um, and because we've had such an unprecedented and unique year this past year, um, it's, it's been an interesting evolution and progression of, of just life, you know, uh, water polo aside, you know, just people surviving this year, you know, is, is just amazing. You know, just that people haven't gone stir crazy that, you know, we've been able to stay positive that, uh, you know, we're still looking forward, um, is, is huge. So I would, I guess I'm dancing around your question here a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think of what it is. I, I the only thing that really truly comes to mind is is you just always remember to listen. You know, there's you you have to sometimes hear voices you don't want to hear. Sometimes you need to seek seek out voices 
you know, different multitude of voices to make sure that you have the best information to lead in the best mm. direction. And sometimes that's difficult to come by. Some people don't always want to tell you the things you need to hear, um, you know, for whatever reasons they think they will gain ground if they, you know, they tell you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear. Um, so I think that, you know, just, um, listening and then, you know, creating a circle that you can trust a circle of people, um, that, you know, you can count on to tell you the truth that you can count on to give you, uh, you know, their honest and open feedback and to have that circle around you just like, just as a referee, as a person in life, you know, I think that's huge in all aspects. Um, and I saw God, was this, was a quote the other day that sometimes when your cir circle shrinks, it increases in value. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. And that, that one, for whatever reason that, that stuck with me um, recently where, you know, and, and I think it applies to us as referees where, I don't need every coach to love me and love my game, you know, but there are certain um, people that I value their opinion. And those are the ones that I count on. And that smaller circle is, is how I will hopefully form, you know, the plans and form my opinions and, and use those people to help me and help all of us move forward as, as referees. Ah, I love that. That's good stuff. I'm going to put that up on the wall over there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, that one stuck with me for whatever reason. That one was yeah, home. yeah. Uh, I might have this in the rapid fire questions, but I feel like now is a fantastic time. Have you listened to any episodes? <laughs> have you listened to any episodes? A couple okay. bits and pieces. I, I yeah. haven't. Okay, I'm I'm so far wow. behind. I I don't stream. I don't. You know, podcasts. I'm like, yeah, I know what they are, but you know, it's like oh, it's one of those things where I just. I got to get up to date. I feel like I'm, you know, stuck 10 years behind everybody else. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know. Like we exchanged those emails and you said, sorry, I've been behind. I said, wait, yesterday wasn't Christmas or something like that. It was after. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this because I think there's an opportunity to unpack this to kind of just okay. bring this, this part of the, of the podcast to a close. So when, when, when you're thinking about all the people who helped get you where you are, right. So we're thinking about leadership or just mm -hmm. confidence or just the, you know, the, the amazing woman that you are, the fantastic sister and daughter. Um, I don't, I, I don't want to intrude on the conversation itself, but what are, what are some details around some conversations you've had with specific people that have helped you get, just be who you are, maybe in the water polo community, maybe not. If that's something you're like, you know what, there are some conversations I'm just going to keep to myself. That's cool too. You know, again, the disclaimer, I don't. I'm not a big detail remembering sure. person, you know, so there are lots of things that I remember where I'll remember it more as coming away with a good feeling about it, but I, I couldn't necessarily tell you the words that were said. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, it's kind of like remembering a dream. You remember the gist of the dream, but you don't remember any okay. faces or where you okay. were kind of thing. So, um, and then some of them I think are just a, um, over time, you know, and over time thing that when you look back and you realize it wasn't just one conversation, but it was the conversations, you know, I don't know, since I was, they came into sure. my life, you know, so I, I, you know, I'm trying, I, I, I'm struggling to remember any 
like one specific conversation. Um, and I, 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 again, I just, I don't remember one specific one. Let's 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 just talk about again some some specific people. Like, what is what 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 has Jim taught you about you? Oh, a ton. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, how do you put into? Uh, I don't know how you how you put it into a succinct um, box. Sure. I guess. Um, you know, just uh, perseverance. Mm. Um, confidence. Um, I don't know, just uh, believing. Um, gosh, again, I don't know how to how to make it sure uh, make it small when it's huge. Wow. Um, I think that's it right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that's the best way I can put sure. it. Sure, sure. You know what? Uh, uh, Dave Alberstein again. The the, the very yeah. first JOs. I think it was my first day, and I was I was on the. You know how it? Um, well, it they have the. It was on the right side, and it was it was um, the middle level of of teams. You know, so they had we we were playing side to side, not end to end, if that makes sense. So it was just one same, okay. same side refereeing over there. And I'm over there just, oh, God, Amber, I was a mess. Oh, man, it was, oh, oh God. <laughs> and here comes Dave walking on. He goes, hey, all right, you ready? And I go, oh, my God, this is going to be so great, you know. And um, we get done, and he's like, yeah, you know, you you look pretty uptight. You know, you look you look kind of anxious. Whatever he goes, you know, water polo's got this beachy feel to it. You know, just think about straw hats and Hawaiian shirts. It's just got this vibe. Goes up and down, and you kind of step in and help people a lot. And just the way he just communicated about it. That's that's so that that's a very specific story I can remember. But I attribute the same thing to Jim when I did my first ODP. We were in Riverside. He, he, I know you can you can see Jim saying this. He's got his arms crossed. He's like, yeah, you know, he just the way he talks and his cadence. He's just super <laughs> relaxed, and he just gets you okay. You know, stay in the moment was was a phrase he used. He's just super good at that, you know. And again, another one of those yeah. people. Every most people who have made it up here to the top of the mountain recognize we talked about it before paying it forward, right? Giving people opportunities yeah. to to do that you know because somebody else has got to come next you know it's the people that hold yeah. on or whatever um that sometimes don't don't pay it as forward until they come to that realization i guess everybody gets there you know um yeah. i had a friend say this it, it's not my quote but uh, i'd rather leave when they don't need me than when they don't want me Which, <laughs> yeah okay yeah yeah yeah, when I was in the business world, um, you know, with the nine to five job, uh, you know, I had some people working for me and, you know, I told them, I'm like, look, I want to go on vacation. So you guys are going to know my job so I can go on vacation and not have to worry about what's going on back sure. here. So, you know, and if it leads to you being better than me, I'm okay with right. that. You know, if you are better than me at my job, then you should have sure. it. 
you know, because we need to have that and we need to, I think as referees, we need more of it, you know, so that we have people in place that want to be there and that are ready to take more leadership roles. You know, there are roles that we're missing out on that we could be filling, you know, with referee minds that very well could, you know, I think help our sport and help all of us grow even more. But we just, like you said, we just don't, sometimes we don't think about it until it's too late. So yeah, gotta, gotta have that planning in place. Okay, so uh, the exciting part, Amber, about that's a foul is uh, we end the fourth quarter with some fun rapid fire questions. So, I mean, this is when the stakes get really high. If you've seen Double Jeopardy, it's like that. It's not just regular (laughs) Jeopardy. The stakes get really high here. So, Um, some of them are some of them are are fun. Some of them are, are are we can we can dig into if we want to. But it's just kind of a fun way to get out of here with some momentum. So. Um, are you ready to play? Okay. I, I'll, I will give it a All shot. Right. I'll do my best. Do you have a favorite Halloween costume you can remember wearing? The one that I really remember, um, my mom sewed a lot of our clothes when we were growing up. And so she made my sister and I, who were like 18 months apart, um, matching cat costumes. So it was a black cat with um, orange ears, you know, on the inside and it had the full tail and everything. So that's, that's the one that I remember. Was it a favorite? Uh, you know, I don't remember it i remember seeing the pictures but i don't remember it um and i can't say that i remember so i, I have to go with that one because I, I don't have another yes one. my mom sewed uh, a brown it was just a brown like frock almost with a red heart on it and i wore an et mask that's the one i can she she, she sewed all my costumes too yeah. Uh, yeah. If you could have dinner with three people in history, whom would you choose? Oh. Oh my gosh. <sighs> um. Wow. This is the one where two hours from now you'd be like, "Hey, can we edit in? Because I want to change my people." <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Um. Man, I don't even know. Okay, I'll go with an easy one. Well, maybe, maybe. I think it'd be fun to have dinner with Michelle okay. and Barack Obama. Uh, you know, just a recent, sure. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily history or not, but I think that they would be just this fascinating conversations, I think, could happen, you know, just in general with them. I already love, I love reading about sure. their time in the white house and just them in general. I think they're very fascinating people. Um, they might have a secret service. Agent. Gosh, I'll go, I'll go the other one. Tony, Tony Gwynn. Gwynn. Oh, oh, you're scratching the yes. ass. It's so good. Wow. Yeah. I think that, uh, <laughs> you know, again, just a fascinating person yeah. and what a story, you know, um, I think he would be, 
awesome that, to have dinner with. That, wow. I'm going back to my 1983 Tony Gwynn card. Where his afro was coming out from underneath. Like, Man, that guy could hit. Oh, my God, he could hit. Yeah. Can you imagine a conversation about Tony yeah. Gwynn hitting and, um, oh, gosh, who was the guy that pitched for the Braves? The the pitcher pitched for the Braves and he pitched for the Cubs. Uh, Maddox. Can you, can you imagine those um, two guys talking about hitting and pitching? Can you listen to Tony Gwynn? Wow. Talk about hitting for yeah. days. That's a great one. Love that. Um, <laughs> nothing, Amber, nothing is better than movies made in the 1980s. Do you have a favorite that comes to mind? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I remember, you know, um, it's probably one that sticks out the most sure. is The Breakfast Club. You know, there's so many, like you said, my goodness. And I have a nephew. He's 18 now. He loves the 80s movies. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're like born in 2000. How do you? And, you know, my sister and her husband, you know, of course, raised him on the, you know, some of the 80s uh, choices. But he still, you know, he watches them now. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. You know, I loved him the yeah. first time around. They were fun, uh, but yeah, I'll have to go with, I'll go with breakfast. You mess with the bull. You get the horns. <laughs> you get the horns. So before we raise our fists like this at the end. We... Yeah. Oh, that's so good. No. Yeah. We'll, we'll be watching something. Go, when was this? 1983. When was that made? 1983. When was that made? 1984. I mean, it was just, God, God. footloose and karate kid and, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I couldn't pick it. I, I'd be stuck for days on that question. <laughs> okay, so you've got about a minute to talk to a referee who's doing a big game for the first time. What advice do you give to her? Uh, the first thing I'd say is, you know, just mm. have fun. Do what you're here to do, you know, be a referee. That's what you're here to do. Have some fun, enjoy the moment, you know, and just stay in tune with the game. You feel it starting to slip, rein it in, you know, as okay. soon as you feel it. And just don't, you know, listen listen to your feelings and just have fun with it. That's good. Uh, I feel like you have some bedazzled gear in your closet. Is that correct? Bedazzled. Well, I, I do like sparkle. Yes. That had USA bedazzled, maybe not. Maybe in yes. like pink sparkle, maybe yes. something you, like that. Do you yeah. own one or do you rent? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's be clear. I don't own the um, the machine that does okay. the bedazzling. I do like to purchase things that, yes. that sparkle. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yes, I, I hope that I always sparkle, but yeah, don't, okay. don't own the yeah, machine. That's, that's a pretty big investment, I think, probably. Um, okay, so you're, you're <laughs> heading out to dinner tonight with some friends. Where, where will we likely find you guys? Is it at a seafood restaurant, steak, sports bar, steakhouse? No, steakhouse. I love it. Oh yes. Wait, what do we what do we order in there? Um, I most most likely okay. ribeye, some yeah. sort of potato, mashed or fried or yeah, um, iced okay. tea always. 
Um, but yes, so I'm a steak and potatoes gal for sure. Okay. Um, what's a little unknown gem we should all know about the Las Vegas area? Is there, is there a, if you Ooh. come here, yeah, you gotta do the strip, but go there. Wow. Um, There was a place, it, you, if you would have asked me when we first moved here, there's a place called, or when I first moved here, um, Caroli's, and it was awesome rib place. Just, you know, the vinyl seating, you know, the waitresses with way too much hairspray, you know, pushing their hair up, but it okay. changed hands, you know, and so I, I, I'm pretty sure it has closed since then. Um, but gosh, I'm trying to think of a gem now. I'm trying to think of, you know, there's obviously all the great places. There's tons of great chefs here, you know, Bobby Flay's restaurant and, you know, all the places down on the strip. Um, I can't really think of anything. Gosh, in these, in this past year, I mean, obviously this pandemic year, there's been so many drive-thrus okay. and deliveries that, you know, we haven't gone you know, I care for my parents that are in their seventies and I don't, you know, we don't go out, um, for safety and functionality, but, um, honestly, the one place I've gone to the most is the coffee bean, coffee bean yes. drive through. Well, <laughs> Gotta go there. <laughs> Come to Vegas, go to the coffee what's, bean drive through. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I, I, I don't know. I'm stuck on a, Okay. No, I don't know. I, 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 I'm horrible. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, when you travel internationally, how many pairs of white pants do you bring with you? Ooh, good question. Um, usually, okay. I'll take three. Uh, just because you never know. And what's the crazy thing about it is a lot of the terms I go to, I will maybe whistle wow. four games just because of day on day off, you know, the schedule of the tournament and everything with neutral referees, you don't get to work every day. So sometimes I take them home and I haven't worn okay. two of the three. And I always have a full set of whites in my carry. Yeah. Ooh, good tip. Yeah, pro tip. Yes. Because you never know internationally yeah. luggage lost, whatever. So yes, I always carry a full set of whites in my yeah. Carry on luggage. Okay. Uh, last, last question <laughs> of the rapid fire here. It's a doozy. Uh, in thinking about all the advice and lessons you've learned from your folks, what would you tell us continues to have an impact on you today? It'll be the choices, you know. Uh, weigh your options and make good choices, you know, and think about it. You know, like you were saying earlier, you're sitting there pondering and thinking, you know, there are some things you need to react to, but for the most part, you know, think about it. Think about what you're going to say and the impact it's going to have. Think about, you know, how you're going to react and the impact it's going to have. And if that's what you want, you know, is that, is, is it a means to an end? Is it how you want things to progress, you know, and just, I think we've gotten to a point in our society where it's just accepted that you get to say what you want to say. And then later you get to say, Oh, I'm sorry. 
you know, for me, that doesn't work so much for me. I don't, I don't appreciate that. You know, I want people to mean what they say and say what they mean. And to do that, I think you have to think and make choices. So make good choices. I like how you unpack that. I mean, it, it really isn't, it's, I'm not going to jump in it because it, it was, it was perfect. That was so good. Uh, okay. Well, you won the game. Congratulations. I, I have no gifts or anything like that, but hopefully it's the gift of friendship. How about that? That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I think you, um, all right. Well, I, I, this is exactly what I was hoping for. Thank you really for, for jumping in and just kind of sharing a little bit of your story here. I, I think, uh, you know, every, everybody has a story. And I, I think yours is just one of the many, many, many that can be shared. So um, I really do appreciate it. And I, I you, we've talked about this before, but I just appreciate how appreciate how you how you voraciously advocate for referees. I think we need we need more folks like you, and I think you're modeling that very well. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to to speak with you and your podcast mm-hmm. listeners. You know, and uh, hopefully. Hopefully we can grow our community, you know, and make our community even more of a positive thing, even yeah. more than it is now. It can continue to grow and be more positive and hopefully be just just more yeah, to more people. Sure. And I really dig the vibe Amber puts off. She has this incredible deck presence of always being in control, yet she has this like incredible humanity about her where she just really appreciates the world for all the great people in it. I've learned a ton from watching and listening to her and I can tell you if there's three to four people whom I try and emulate on deck and in my own development as a referee, she is definitely on that list. Sincerely appreciate what she's doing to pay it all forward and how she's comported herself as a leader in an incredibly difficult year. And I'm also honored to call her a friend. Until next time, y'all, be good to the refs. Shout out to our friend and fellow referee, Adam Carroll, for That's a Foul theme music. If you like what you heard today, tell a friend where to find us and follow us on your podcast service. As always, you can find show notes and other topics covered on today's show on our website, tafpodcast.com.